Um, I wanted to ask you, HB, about, um, you know, what you touched on is, uh, you know, financial advisors and taking a whole group of people. Um, how complex is that for you to really dig in and try to, like, realign? You're like the chiropractor of wisdom. You know, it's like... I got, I got. <laughs> My brother is a chiropractor, and he would really like it that you brought that little word picture in. Thank you. And now, here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, everybody, guys and ladies, thank you for coming back to podcasting your global career. Really delighted with my guest today. But before I get into my guest today, I would like to just inspire you guys to please share this episode um, with a friend. Send it off. You're helping my show grow like crazy. And um, really want to just express my appreciation for all you guys are doing. So please continue to um, forward this to somebody who may need the content involved here. This guy rocks. His name is H.B. Pasley. He's got a new book, Never Drop the Ball Again. And uh, it's a book about the ideal client experience. He's like the man of the world, H.B. And what a sense of humor (laughs) and a way to express business in a way I've never heard anyone else express it. Uh, He's a coach, a creative, a professional communicator for close to four decades. He's published many books and countless leadership guides, facilitated thousands of people in leadership development retreats, and has produced over 7 million song streams on Spotify. Yes, he's a badass musician too. Even after all of that, he is fond of deflecting attention from his accomplishments by saying, My real claim to fame is that I have failed at more ventures than most people will ever attempt. And I took a lot of notes. You know, he stole that from me, except for the I took a lot of notes. (laughs) So we have a lot in common. So get ready to experience all the joy and wisdom and good times with H.B. Pasley. So, my friend, how are things with your life? <laughs> you know, you know, it was funny. I loved that you were so punctual, and I was waiting. And I'm saying because I had so much screw ups with Calendly, I'm still like a like a little elf trying to learn it properly, <laughs> and time zones and so forth. And I'm going, oh, I wonder if I should call him. And there you are, man, right on the money. And you know why I was late? I was watching one of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> now that that is a fantastic excuse i think you just teed up your own softball so you could hit that one off the tee that's really good thanks jane yeah oh my god you're hilarious so it, it was it's good funny, but you and I both had, yeah but you and i both had long uh, creative careers and uh you probably are like me i don't know um I, i'm a funny mix because i grew up in a family that was very uh, somewhat analytical traditional basic linear and then I sort of popped out and I was a bit, um, a little more nonlinear, certainly very creative, very interested in artistic pursuits. So as I've grown up over the years, I've realized that I'm a strange combo. I love order and design, project management. And so timeliness to me is just putting things in order. It's like the Ben Franklin rule, a place for everything and everything in its place. 
But at the same time, I get most of my joy from spinning up into new ideas, innovating, creating, and inventing. Yeah, you know, we, we talk often about, because you and I are cut from the same cloth, uh, the ultimate passionate super creative is kind of an anchor on being able to focus, at least for me, it has been uh, without being um, being able to focus, laser focus on one thing. I always have three going in the background. You know, right now I'm trying to market myself to literally four different businesses and it's a real challenge to do so. But I keep getting thrown into my world, which is music. Everything has to surround music. You know, it has to, that's always the underlying uh, place where I end up. So I'm, I'm trying not to fight that so much anymore, um, but more embrace it and put the other things, not quite in the garage, but have them pointed towards the garage, you know, for the time being <laughs> to go embrace what I'm supposed to embrace. So tell me about your experience with that, because I know you've, you being the ideal client experience guru, and a very, very seasoned coach where I'm, I'm a newbie at this. You've probably seen a lot of this. And what is your counsel to those lost ones out there, HB, uh, to, you know, to refine their, their technique for their passion? Oh, no, that's a, that was a kind of a fat question. You wrapped it inside of like, a, it was like a burrito with another question inside of it, yeah. uh, which I really liked. Uh, I'd like to kind of start with where you landed, which is, uh, I find that many of my clients, and by the way, I uh, appreciate the guru note. I don't know if I can wear a t-shirt with that on it or not, but <laughs> I know you're using hyperbole. It's fine. Yeah. So a lot of my clients who run businesses uh, are um, experts and geniuses in a, in a nerdy field. Their, their brains are spreadsheets and algebra equations and they're puzzle solvers and they're savants to a degree. And what I find, uh, much to my surprise, that many of them are built just like the artists that I worked with for decades. Also savants, always very creative, always thinking through different ways to solve problems and to do things. And as you know, music is fundamentally math. So these things are you know, really related. And I've had to learn over the years how to be a good coach for people. Let's just, I'm gonna generalize by saying this, but if you have ADD and you're the executive of your firm, I can help you. <laughs> because <laughs> I still love you and I don't think that ADD or this sort of wild sort of squirrely random access memory problem you have is actually a handicap I think it's your advantage but you have to learn how to see that ability to have more than one thing in your brain going is not a detriment and a problem because you're not as linear as your chief uh, your COO or your chief integrative officer the guy who's always putting everything in order you have to see that there's an advantage to this ability to handle more than one problem at a time and to be able to sort of be open to different kinds of information coming in. And the trick is just learning how to set rhythms. And I'll, this is good, right? You're a musician. Oh my God, we're gonna keep using these terms like this. <laughs> I love it. You have to be able to set rhythms that don't feel like you're being crushed by a template, like you're not being sat on by the overachieving type A firstborn person who's always orderly. Yeah. But you need rhythm in your life so that you know when to step from this conversation to this focus, to this emphasis, to this job. And you will get it all done. You'll get it all done. But rhythm has to be established in your journey. So that's to, to answer your question. That's step one. When I think about being a good coach or a good advisor, by the way, I love coaching. I've been a coach my whole life, really. 
one of the tricks is can you get the idea down and just put it into practice on the earth? Because a lot of people have great ideas, but executing is the hard part. And I think this is the same with those of us who, the, our friends who have this sort of random access memory going. It's hard sometimes to just get it down onto the ground and get it to get into a rhythm. But that's where I find myself working uh, quite often. Yeah, the, um, to your point, the one uh, maturity that I recognized um, to what you just stated was as I started doing more sessions in Nashville, um, because I was the executive producer and the writer and the guitarist and all that, I stripped myself way down. I had a great producer. And so I became, all right, I'm the executive producer. Wear that hat and you're the vocalist while the guys are playing. And then I'm also the backstop as the co-producer. So I keep my mouth shut and let Kim run the session unless I really have something to say. So by doing that, I'd never picked up an instrument every time I went down to work with those guys. Um, I, I just walked in and said, all right, my job is to sing and do the best job I can while they're playing. We're all playing live. And to capture that magic in the bottle. And then what I would do is when I came back to my studio and had all the files, then I would pick up the guitar or the synthesizer or the vocals and start creating harmonies. So I, I compartmentalized my abilities to say, how can I squeeze the most juice out of each one? You know, rather than go in there and say, you know, I'm the guy, I do it all. It's, it's like, you know, let the people who are better than you do what they do and then just, you know, take a back position. So um, to your point, I think that's one of the things you can do as you try to aspire to do more with what you have, you know, embrace talents around you and, and recognize where you should fit in and in what capacity. Did you draw a parallel yeah, there? Yeah, doesn't that fall under the... the... Yeah, does that fall under the term or the value uh, humility? Um, probably a little bit. I, I think it's, yeah, humility, maturity. And I think it's also recognizing when you when you have a gift in front of you, have the sense to open it. <laughs> you know, have, you know, you got these players that are just legacy players. Like, how much can I learn from these guys, you know, by being in, in this room? It's just wonderful to, to have that opportunity. It's so that's really fun. I got off the phone this morning with uh, a new client. Uh, their firm has over 200 employees, large executive team, and they scaled from just a few less than 10 years ago to this, you know, very fast growing company. And we were ch chatting this morning and I was trying to understand more about the pain of delegation and the process of entrusting uh, roles to one another, because any company that usually in my experience, in my experience isn't you know, it's just a small data pool. I work with financial advisors and advisors, people that build trust to make a living. This is my general daily work. When, when their firm hits about eight, 10 people, the, uh, the founder finds himself or herself in a position where they can simply no longer direct the band. They sort of got to let people, uh, just like you said, find their best gift and open up their best contribution and begin to delegate the freedom for people to make contributions in the business instead of just being an employee of the business. And so that works if your team's eight to 10. In this case, it also works with a team over 200. Their primary job right now isn't um, 
really micromanaging each person. It's actually figuring out how to entrust uh, team leaders and individuals within those teams to bring their best contribution every day to achieve their primary purpose as a bigger firm. And this is both fun, exciting, and challenging because to get everybody on the same page is magic pants. It, it takes some work. And that's their primary job over the next few months as they transition some leadership structure. But it goes, I think, I just talked about this because of what you just said, the wisdom and what you were just sharing, James. It's so right on track that ultimately our greatest joy comes from getting other people to come alive around us instead of us trying to come alive in front of everybody around us. Those yeah. are two wildly different things. They, they, and, and really the blessing is in receiving uh, the mature gifts that are in front of you, like you just described. When you see that happen, it's like, wow, this, is, this was totally unexpected. And if you allow that to happen, if you create an environment where that's welcome, um, I always, when I work, I always say, I got an open door policy, man. If you're feeling to go back to the fives at the beginning of the bridge, then open your mouth and say so. And we, we'll, we'll pursue anything that happens, you know, in the studio that is kind of pure magic. Um, I wanted to ask you, HB, about, um, you know, what you touched on is, uh, you know, financial advisors and taking a whole group of people. Um, how complex is that for you to really dig in and try to like realign, you're like the chiropractor of wisdom. You know, it's like, I got, I got. <laughs> my brother is a chiropractor and he would really like it that you brought that little word picture in. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, you but know, it's true, man. Question. You've got like, that's a great question, but yeah. I, you know, um, I don't think it's very complicated because it's, I know that you love coaching others. I love coaching. One of the reasons that you and I are connecting today is we both want to become better at helping other people achieve their greatness. Yes. Okay? Yeah. It's uh, When I was a kid, my very first job was at the YMCA in Prattville, Alabama. I had to drive 10 miles over. Actually, when I first started my job, my mom had to drop me off because I didn't have my license yet. <laughs> I just remembered that. So <clears throat> I wanted to sit in the lifeguard chair and swing the whistle and look sexy. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did. I think I did. Uh, but my other job was uh, from like early in the morning till about noon, I had to teach swimming lessons. And I didn't realize till the summer was over and I started looking back that that was the most fun thing that I did. Engaging kids in those moments of, I'm not sure if I can do that. I wonder if I should try. Is this worth the risk? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Is the praise and outcome going to be worth the pain of, of getting through the stage? Now, here's why I think that I got pretty good at teaching swimming lessons. It's because I failed beginner swimming lessons four times. I'm the kid who panicked and freaked out the first time he went to Red Cross swimming lessons and couldn't do the basic things. My dad, I'm sure my whole family was totally, you know, embarrassed. I probably shamed my lineage, you know. But I, that sort of empathy of understanding what it means to collapse or what it means to panic or what it means to not be able to get through, I think tuned me up. Now, to answer your question, so when you're coaching somebody through growth as a leader, when you're coaching somebody through business development, yes, there's always a hundred point list of nerdy things to look at. But really, it comes down to some very simple things. Like I can boil a successful advisory business down to only three fat components. And congratulations, they all start with a P, so it's easy. It's purpose, process, and people. If I can help a business owner, just think about their leadership and contribution and paying attention to 
Do you have the right people? And is this team practically leading itself or do you have to boss them around all the time? This is the basic people stuff. The process is how do we deliver our services? In the financial advisory world, this is mostly client experience. So I focus a lot. That's why the name of my coaching program is called Ideal Client Experience. So that's process. And then purpose is, are you, are you aware of what your firm wants to be famous for? Because you can only be famous for one thing. And if everybody can get on the same page to pursue one thing to be famous for, it means that you have only one ideal client profile. Ta-da! So here's the magic, right, in my identity work. Once you discover your ideal client, it's because you've become settled with who you really are and what magic you're bringing to the world. Once you get that settled, you can develop a process to deliver it really well and efficiently. And then if you grow, you're going to be able to lead a team who wants to contribute instead of just wanting to be paid. And those three P's to me are how I sort of distill everything down. So I'm always looking for ways to make it simpler. It's just got to be simpler or frankly, Farmer HB cannot do it. Give me the three P's again. Purpose, process, and people. I love that. Purpose, process, and people. Um, I want to ask you, HB, also about the finding the perfect client. Now, you touched on something really near and dear to my heart because I never knew how much I would love coaching on a professional level till I started doing it. I've been doing it off and on for like probably 10 or 15 years, but never, you know, just doing when you had value and you, you found somebody who was lost, you immediately started coaching them without them most of the time even knowing it. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of in you. If it's in you, it's in you. you know? Yeah, so, so this is a challenge for many people out there who are in the coaching practice. How does one find or how does one navigate the waters of finding their perfect client the where it fits seamlessly? Because I think when you start, there's a lot of poking and hoping and try to, to try to get it to happen. <laughs> I know exactly what you just said. I use a couple of, uh, you know, because we're creative and I am uh, sorry about the change in the, the visual here. I got to flip this around. Yeah, that's so good. here's an image for you. I just uh, put this up. This is a picture of an archer. So when I go in and start talking about business identity or discovering your ideal client, I simply use a four-step metaphor, archer, bow, arrow and target okay and i won't i'm not going to bore i'm not going to try to go through and teach all those all i'm going to say is to answer your question is a lot of people feel like that in order to discover your ideal client you should spend all your time focusing on this thing this is what a marketing agency would talk to you about this is what most of the books you read talk to you about who's your ideal client what's your best market you know who has the money the mindset the problem and i get it they're they're actually all super important because uh, if you can't get focused, you're, you're never going to be famous for one thing. But what I've learned is that over time is that the, the archer was already made to deliver an arrow of value to a target that was perfectly designed for them. In other words, I feel like the, the heart of the archer, that is the person doing the coaching, is actually already designed the perfect place to land their arrow. Like they were just suited for it. So when they draw back their gift, when they draw back that service they want to bring and they look down the arrow, they can already see who the ideal client is. You don't go search for them. So I guess this implies that over time, a person has to be more in tune with their own story. Where did I come from? What do I value? 
What am I like? What do I love? These kinds of questions actually lead us faster to our ideal client than doing a lot of market experimentation. If we could just draw back. So when I told you my story about being a coach and a lifeguard and failing and empathy, what's what do you, this will be, this will be easy for you, James. <laughs> I promise. What, what's one thing you already know about me that I admire and that I love? What's one thing I know about you that yeah, I just from that story about wanting to coach kids and enjoying it? What do you know about me as a as a person? You you identify um, abilities and talents like immediately okay. where most people yeah. don't like you see into it. Okay, and so guess what? Because I've always been around people that had gifting, and I do identify skills and giftings pretty fast. Guess what? My ideal client normally are people that are highly gifted very talented and their talent sometimes even gets away from them or their talent leads them where they don't even want to go okay so that's something that came from me the archer i'm the one who's interested in very talented people from my story you would also know that i'm very empathetic i move toward people that are in trouble aha that means that when i look for ideal clients i need to identify someone who knows they're in trouble guess who's the hardest person to coach in the world a person who has no idea they're in trouble. It's <laughs> so true. I've seen them. All right, so I've here's me. You're, you're asking me how to do this, and I just did it with you. Yeah. I told a little bit of my story. We pulled two things out, and now I know if I went out on the street today and just met people, if I find somebody who's overly gifted leading a team, and they're, they got nerdy gifts, and they're really aware that they've got some challenges, it's almost got them in a panic mode, you better believe I'm going to ask them to go to lunch. Because there's a good chance that they, they could be an ideal client for me. There has got to be a, a level of energy attraction here, though. Because mm -hmm. in some way, you're drawing those people into your sphere of influence or it, it, your physical proximity to, in some way, whether it's on you yeah. know, with camera or on a phone call or whatever. But um, I have to believe that that's where... Um, you're putting out this energy that's bringing these people into your field. It's like your spider's web. It's like, oh, here they come. They're traipsing in here. It's like, all right. Well, that's right. There is right? some networking. I, I call this personal gravity. In physics, like objects can attract. And when things have a lot of weight and, and mojo in them, they tend to attract other bodies. So things kind of are drawn toward each other of similar weight and size and capacity. So I believe everybody who, if you can get in touch with your story, what drives you, where did you come from, what do you love, who do you love, if you can get that out on a daily basis, just talk more about what, what always bubbles up in you, what has been driving you all these years, your failures, your successes, all this stuff goes in there. The more you get that up, what happens is you start to develop personal gravity. Why? Because the more you tell your story, people who are attracted to you can identify you faster. So it's not you having to identify them all the time. You need to show up and be able to tell your story in such a way that people who identify with you go, oh, well, he's or she is interesting. They're kind of like me. I felt that way too. That's That sameness, that same attraction is part of this gravitational field that we create. It's so natural that if you don't, here's what happens, James, if you don't do this. If you go out and you try the opposite, where you just focus on who you're trying to reach and what you're trying to sell them, you will, I'm sorry to tell you, always be perceived as a salesman. And if that's your goal, please continue.
But if you want to be perceived as something other than a salesman, then you've got to take courage and develop an articulate way to share your own story, your own values all the time so that people can self-select whether or not they would be a good fit for you. And then they never feel sold because they're the ones who made the decision. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. One, one of my sales pitches is that I always say, I'm probably the best candidate to teach you because I've had more failures than anybody I can even imagine. And I've had some, <laughs> I've had some successes along the way too, but I, I can tell you, I could spend like weeks just telling you what not to do and that'll save you a fortune. <laughs> oh my God. And these are always, you and I are the same. We, we both instinctively do this. You know, those of us who are around very talented people, you know what you learn not to do? Ever compete with their talent. Yeah. So I'm surrounded by very smart people. Almost everybody I work, no, sorry, not almost. Everybody I work with is smarter than me, guarantee. Yeah. So what I've learned to do is tell stories of my failure because it, it creates more attraction. People are, it's easier for people to find a safe place with somebody who confesses their weaknesses than somebody who always talks about their strengths. Yeah. You think you this is easy? You learned it the hard way in the creative community, and I'll, I've learned it now both in the creative and in the highly competent professional services community it's the same exact kind of um relationship building kung fu nice i like that one yahoo kung fu <laughs> hey give me a give me a um because we, we're gonna we could probably go for hours and we have to watch the clock because i could stay on with you all day and we, we can't do that um Give me one of your favorite wins, best like scenario of somebody you might have thought that they were like, they weren't going to make it in your space. Um, somehow you resolved it. Any any story like that that can give some yeah. people hope out there? would love to hear that. Yeah, you know, especially those of us who are coaching. And I know a lot of your listenership will be people that want to coach and encourage others. They're deeply interested in the uh, the outcome in other people's lives. So I, 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 this guy comes to my mind. We'll call him uh, Steve for fun so we can uh, keep him in the witness protection program. So uh, Steve is a financial advisor, has a team of about seven or eight people, been around about 20 years, doing a great job. Uh, I met Steve at a social, and I realized as we were talking, he's very missional. He loves people. This guy was a super nerd. And we, had, we both had a background in music, in music. He was a drummer. He loved worship music. I mean, we just had so many things that we shared. So I said, well, let's get, let's get together. So what happens is in, in my coaching practice, much like, by the way, I love this book. If your viewers haven't seen uh, Getting Patrick Naked. Lencioni's book, Getting Naked. First of all, who doesn't want a book on their shelf called Getting Naked? I mean, that's just racy. I, I, I right? got to so, have that. Yes, I love it. Uh, what he does in this book that I really drew out of it was that it, if you're an advisor at heart, you have to avoid selling at all times. That is just selling a, a singular product or service because you, you must discover your client's needs and address those. You, you don't come in the door with a thing like it's inside your jacket, you know? Uh, and to do that, it means I have to go into every relationship and I begin advising the moment that I meet somebody that I think I could help because I love them. I, I wanna ask them questions. What are you struggling with? What are you challenged with? And I call this the discovery phase. A discovery phase might last for me though, one to five or six meetings. I'm, I was in a fifth discovery meeting this morning with a prospective onboarding client. <laughs> wow. 
I advise them every meeting. We still haven't booked a contract. I still haven't closed a con you know, I haven't charged anybody any money. We haven't transacted yet. Why? Because I have to prove that I bring enough value to warrant you wanting to pay me. All right. I so the big that. win for me, I was in yeah. my fourth <laughs> discovery meeting with this advisor. And I, every time I was with him, I loved being with him. We talked about important things. We uncovered challenges. And about halfway through this meeting, James, I said, well, uh, based on what we've talked about so far, what seems to be the most important obstacle that we could work on together this year? Okay, this is common language for me. What does he say? I don't know. <laughs> I thought, oh my God. I, I remember feeling that sweaty feeling like, oh geez, I'm, I'm three and a half meetings in. If he can't identify what the obstacle is, I'm really, I have been wasting my time I may have totally read this wrong, okay? I got that sweaty feeling. I didn't know what to do. I kind of panicked just a little bit and, and like a one, 1,000, two, 1,000. And then I felt it's that little thing because you've been there more than once. I felt that I should go at it one more time. And this uh, is where the wind came in. And well, this is the Well, wait, no, he probably, he probably, you probably healed him already. He didn't need you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I spun around and I said, one of the things that you and I have been talking about a lot is client experience and how building great relationships with clients will increase loyalty and retention over time. Could I draw you an eight-step map of how that works? So I'm going to go one more level, right? And he goes, well, sure. So I drew the eight-step map, and then I said, which one of these things is most important to you? And then he pointed at it. Da -da -da. James, for me, this is a huge win. He pointed at it, and I said, could we get to work on that together? And he said, yes, by the next meeting, we had created a contract, signed an arrangement, and now I'm his advisor for a year to help his firm develop their client experience. So th here's the takeaway for me. Don't stop advising if you love to advise. If you use the word coach, don't stop coaching if you love to coach. Coach until you prove that you're valuable. They will ask to pay you when you finally can both put your finger on the thing that must be solved. And if you're slow like me, Maybe it'll take you four or five meetings. <laughs> if you're fast like James, maybe once. But no, that was a fast. huge win for me. I'll, I'll never forget that feeling of almost losing it, like almost just getting up and going, thanks, and leaving, and deciding to go one more step. And it, it made all the difference. I did that um, I did with that with um, a client just recently. And she was a single mother. And, um, you know, she just didn't have the resources. And I went to bed and... Holy Spirit started rib punching me. So I got up and I created a whole new discounted program, like less than half of what I was charging. And, ah. I, and I, I named it after her too. And I said, this is my so-and-so package, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. and it's like, I wasn't letting her go. And, uh, and a couple other people too, that, um, because I, I, like you, I love to serve and we'll find room for you, you know? And, and there'll be other things that'll come along, which will, you know, pay for, all kinds of uh, things to allow you to discount things when you need to. But I like that approach because when you have somebody who's, who you find value in, and everybody has value, but when you're a good fit, you don't want to let that go. You know, <laughs> it's really important. That um, is true. I appreciate you being nimble and creative. Some It's true. Sometimes you just want to keep. I, I have a friend of mine that I've been romancing because I want to help him grow his business. I mean, I would just give him every time I'm with him, I, I just give and we brainstorm and talk. He and his other executive partners have, though, have proposed now the idea that maybe we should hire HB to help. 
which is kind of a shocker to me because I wasn't, his industry is a little off of my bullseye. So when I looked at, you remember when I showed you the picture of the target? Yeah. Nobody hits the target aiming at the target, James. You always aim at the bullseye, <laughs> right? So if you aim at the bullseye every time, you're still going to hit the target all over the map. But that's why we need an ideal client profile in our businesses, because if you don't know who's perfect, you don't know where to aim. Yeah. And aim means you, you get the right money out of your or the right value out of your marketing agents and your Google ads and your YouTube videos and your podcasts and all that stuff. Otherwise, you're, you're just shatter gunning everything. Okay? Yeah, right. So uh, this guy's business is off the is off the ideal client button for me. He's at, at the twenty five point circle at the at best. Yeah, but I love him so much as a friend. I would just do anything to be on his team. I mean, I basically just work for Chai. You know. Yeah. Um, and so occasionally we do have those people in our lives. I think as advisors and coaches, we simply have to watch out for budgeting because, in some ways, from a professional point of view, they're junk food. They're Twinkies and cake and bourbon and cigars. They're, well, maybe, no, maybe, maybe those last two aren't junk food. Okay. <laughs> but you, you can't consume them as a regular diet or pretty soon you don't have a healthy business. Right. But there's always room for a few that you just love that are at the edges of your professional universe. Kind of keeps you alive. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it, man. You're pulled in. So HB... This is really awesome uh, to have you on this show, podcasting your global career. And uh, I'd like you to just give a shout out to whoever you like, um, any last words of wisdom, and also the best place for people to reach out to you and find out more about your ideal client experience and how they can get involved with you. And would you do that for me? You're so generous by the way thank you for being so giving you know that's one of your problems isn't it james you just keep giving um i appreciate that um i would like to give a couple of shout outs i've got a couple of coaches that i'm growing to admire uh dr heidi petak works here in our city in colorado springs colorado where i reside dr heidi has her phd in persuasive communication she's such a great speech coach executives and people who do sales or lead sales teams that really want to upgrade their speaking and communication effectiveness. Uh, Dr. Petak is fantastic. And then I think of uh, Coach Dave Blackolb, B-L-A-K-K-O-L-B. I'll send you these notes later, James. Uh, Dave has got such a heart for helping people develop their emotional IQ and their awareness of themselves and their culture that he basically trains executives to be better at culture leading because they learn how to see themselves better. And he's so good at this sort of um, emotional IQ where so many people are interested in solving that component that uh, Coach uh, Dave is fantastic at this stuff. So those are a couple of shout outs for you. I'll give you some links on those guys because I love to refer them. Um, my practice is at idealclientexperience.com. And we've already chatted about some of the fundamentals, but everything I do revolves around purpose, process, and people. I work with service professionals who consider themselves advisors and strategists before anything else. I often call them wisdom brokers. So if uh, if you don't sell widgets, but you are the widget, there's a good chance that we would enjoy a conversation together. <laughs> so it's very easy to drop into that website, drop me a note, take a little survey, ping me. I think my cell phone's on there somewhere. Uh, I don't, my, I'm old school. I still answer the phone. So refreshing. And I'd love to have a chat. And uh, sometimes I'm not the guy, but I'm usually quick to listen and help people learn. 
who might be the best coach for them. Uh, so I'm kind of an airport in that regard. So if some of your listeners just need a little bit of an airport direction on what might what might they do next to increase their success toward what they're working on, I'd be happy to quick chat. And that stuff's free. I don't charge for consultations. It's just like hanging out with James. I just like doing it. Awesome. HB Pasley, you are the man. I really appreciated this uh, opportunity to have another conversation with you. I always enjoy hanging with you, brother. And um, I just want to wish all of God's blessings on you, your wife, your children, and your business moving forward. Thanks, James. Hey, everybody. Thanks once again for being here on Podcasting Your Global Career. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out the show notes to support the people we put on this show. Also, if you're digging the show, forward it to a friend. And you can also subscribe to us in the Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it. I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Take a ride with me Ride on, ride on We can untangle all the mystery If wishes were windows I'd open one and find That freedom is really A simple state of All right.